Hello, ladies and gentle nerds. It is Graham, also known as Hamhawks42 on the internet, and it is time for another edition of Overthinking MTG. So as always, I am out on Gatherer, which is the official database for Magic the Gathering, and I'm going to go ahead and select a random card using everybody's favorite feature, which is appropriately named Random Card, and uh, I'm going to talk about it for the next 10 minutes, at least. I don't know, if I go on, a, if I get on a roll, if I find something really tasty, who knows, I might be here for another hour. Um... I wouldn't count on that, but yeah, nice short commute for sure. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to it. All right, so it is loading, loading. Dismal Backwater is the card that we got, uh, specifically the M20 version. So this is pretty nice. Um, it is a land, so pretty straightforward, and it's a common land, so not one of the ones that's worth an obscene amount of money. Um, no, it's a common land that enters the battlefield tapped, and when it does, you gain one life. So it enters the battlefield, you gain a life. All right, neat. Nothing wrong with that. Um, one life doesn't really do a whole lot, but it's something. And more importantly, Dismal Backwater taps for one blue and a black. So it is a Demir dual land that comes in tapped. So not one of the good dual lands, um, but it's serviceable nonetheless. So it's kind of the budget version of... Um, of dual lands, and I find it very interesting that something like this exists in the meta right now as a common that is standard legal, that's available to everybody, and it's worth, I don't know, 10 cents, maybe a nickel. You know, there it's all over the place. It's a common, after all. So right now, you can get a pack of M20. You have a really good chance. I mean, well, a decent chance of pulling this card. It's as good as anything in the set. It's not, you know, it's it's just a common. And I find that really funny when you compare it to cycles like the Invasion Duel Lands that were tap lands like this that came in tapped and you couldn't, there, there was no way to bring them in untapped. Um, one of the things that makes cards like the Shock Lands interesting, the, the black-blue equivalent being Watery Grave. If you look at that, it's a black-blue land that comes into play tapped or you could take two damage and let it come in untapped. And the truth is, an untapped land versus a tapped land is way better than no damage versus two damage. Getting Shocking yourself for an untapped land rather than having a tapped land is worth it 90% of the time. You know, the only time you wouldn't do that is if you, you know, just didn't have anything to play in those colors anyway in your hand. But most of the time you want to build your decks in such a way that you're going to be able to curve out and hit every single land drop and every single... You know, make take advantage of all of the mana that you have at your disposal. That's generally how you want to do it. So, lands like this that come into play tapped regardless are very detrimental for creating that tempo and creating that kind of pattern of play where you can get the maximum value on every single one of your turns. The fact that you basically, you have to effectively miss a land drop in one turn in order to play something like this. Which, if you're playing in like a multiplayer format, or you're playing in a group of friends where the meta is such that the games are slower, because maybe more people are playing with these, maybe you're playing with a bunch of friends, none of whom have the kind of money to really spend on you know, expensive mana bases, and so this is the type of land that is running around in your meta. That's fine. Actually, in that case, Dismal Backwater and its cycle, where they gain life, actually, you get a little bit of upside with it. You know, meanwhile, your friend is playing Salt Marsh, which was an uncommon back in Invasion, and he's going, what the hell? <laughs> Yours is significantly better than mine. 
and which also speaks to the power creep. Uh, right now, we're seeing a situation where cards that are being printed today are just as powerful or sometimes even more powerful than cards that were printed in Legacy. You know, cards that were printed back in the 90s and in the, in the 2000s. Some cards that were considered very powerful then and have even been recently very powerful and very playable are now being eclipsed by cards that we're seeing in today's you know, booster packs. And so the fact that something like this is is a throwaway common that's barely worth a nickel is really a testament, I think, to how the game has shifted and how perceptions have shifted. And I don't know, I think it's an interesting little case study when you look at it, because this card on its face is unquestionably better than a card like Salt Marsh which is just a black-blue dual land that comes into play tapped. That's all it is. And I'll tell you right now, I have Salt Marsh in, I think, two of my commander decks um, because I had them. I had them lying around, and they're commander decks, so they're not overly, um, you know, they're not super competitive. Uh, well, my commander decks aren't super competitive, I should say. Uh, I love building goofy jank. And I'm not going to spend extra money on expensive mana bases. I'm just not going to. I'm not trying to win any tournaments. I'm not trying to set the world on fire. If I have to wait a turn to play my victimize, I will. And I'm not going to freak out about it. You know, if I have to wait a turn, I don't get to opt on turn one or hit my serum visions right away. I'm not going to freak out. And if, you know, on arena, I actually had a couple of decks that ran these but as quickly as i had the wild cards i made sure to get the watery graves and cycle dismal backwater out because in that situation it didn't cost money it cost wild cards and that wild card the wild cards were time that i had invested effectively and making sure in that context to get the best ones that mattered because i want that deck because i'm playing in standard where it's 60 cards it's one-on-one it's more competitive in that situation i want the best lands Especially because they didn't cost any money. Now, I'm not going to be building paper standard decks anytime soon because I don't have that kind of money. It's that simple. You know, I, ju- I just can't afford it. If I could, I probably would. Um, and then cards that cycled out, I would get in on Pioneer and that kind of thing. And if you're out there and you're, and you're doing that, great. If you want to participate in those events or you want to participate in those formats and you know you're not going to produce the top tier decks and you want to find some budget versions of those cards like this that come into play tapped you know the difference between a land coming to play tapped and a land coming to play untapped if you are going for you know if you're going for the mythic championship trophy that makes all the difference and that is absolutely worth you know the 30 40 50 dollar difference that might be a little extreme but you know it's worth the it's worth spending the extra 10, 15, 20 dollars to make sure that the lands that you're playing can come into play untapped. If you're playing with your friends and you're looking to have a good time and you're trying to just enjoy yourself playing a card game, which I think we should all do. I think everybody should be having fun. It's a game. That's why we're here. If you're going to have fun being able to throw out a, you know, stuff on turn five, six, seven, you know, the big 
haymakers, the goofy combos, that type of stuff. And you're not necessarily as concerned about winning games consistently. Save the money. Go over to TCG Player or um, Card Kingdom or where, wherever your your single seller of choice or go to your local game store. They probably have a whole pile of these sitting around and it's going to cost you a dollar and you're probably going to get 12 of them. So, you know, do that. Get your hands on, on lands like this that will allow you to create a three, four color or five color deck that is going to be more consistent in the late game than it would be otherwise. Whereas, yeah, that's okay. If you want to have access to those colors so you can create create different types of combinations and leverage different types of multicolor cards, then, then the inexpensive dual lands like this is going to get you there. That is what is going to enable those three or four color commander decks to have those big plays in the end of you know late in the game that require three different colors of mana in order to fire off you're going to be able to get that with cards like this and it's going to cost you pennies on the dollar so if you're looking for a budget commander build these things are great if you're looking for um well, and actually, also, if you're looking for a set where you can get your hands on just decent utility pieces like this, M20 actually has a fair amount. So you might, especially if you're building anything with elementals, you know, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. Um, yeah, it's funny. I feel like that that set has aged pretty well, because when it first came out, I remember doing a couple of drafts on Arena, kind of going, this is it? Really? And I cracked an agent of, agent of Treachery. Pack one, pick one, first pack in the set. And I remember just reading that card and going like, mm-hmm, you're coming with me. And uh, I was not wrong, and I've used it a lot ever since then. Yeah. When Agent of Treachery and Blood for Bones came together, it was a beautiful union. But I digress. Anyway, M20 is actually a pretty decent set. Over time, I feel like those, those cards have aged very well, and the limited environment felt kind of lame at the time, but I think it's because all of the mechanics within that set were just solid. Like, there wasn't a lot of amazing cards that really exploded. Like, there were a couple that were pretty decent. Agent of Treachery comes to mind, Seth. but even then, those aren't, like, those aren't super expensive bombs right now. They're decent role players for what they are, which is great, and m 20 is full of that. So, like, here's a great example. This land, Dismal Backwater, it comes into play tapped. You gain a life. It produces two different colors. If you're playing blue-black and it's any kind of deck that is relatively slow, you can afford to miss some of those drops. I also find it really funny that the one life gain here is valued so much lower when you compare it to the Temple Cycle which they actually just recently printed some in Theros Beyond Death. Uh, recently, as I record this, I should say. And uh, it is actually January 30th, 2020, as I'm recording this, just to go ahead and just timestamp the ever-loving piss out of it. So when you look at the Scrylands, the temples, they come into play tapped. They produce two colors, but you get to scry one. So you get to look at the top card of your library and either let it stay the top card of your library or put it on the bottom. So it helps smooth out your draws. And that is worth so much more than life gain. 
that the temples, many of which actually came out initially in M20, this exact same set, they were rares. And those rares are now valued at, you know, five, six dollars a pop. You know, different color combinations are going to be different, you know, varying degrees of expense based on the metas, of course. But they're worth significantly more. Meanwhile, Dismal Backwater and the whole cycle where you gain life when they come into play tapped are worth nothing. <laughs> because they don't add consistency to the deck. They gain you one life. Which, in crazy situations, that one life might be the difference between losing on a particular turn and losing on the next turn. But it's not worth a lot. You know, most of the time... If your opponent has lethal, one damage isn't going to make that big of a difference. We've all seen those crazy situations where it does, but crazy situations are not what make... Being good in crazy situations does not make a card good. Being good in any situation makes a card good. And in this situation, Dismal Backwater and its like are significantly less good than the Scrylands simply because... Both will always come into play tapped. You cannot bring them into play untapped in any way that I'm aware of anyway. There may be some weird interaction where you could. But in general, generally speaking, they come into play tapped. They produce two mana. That's the part you really care about. But scrying one is worth about 7 or $8, where gaining one life is worth about $0.05. Cents. And I think that's fair. And that's about right. And it's an interesting testament to the the value of consistency. And that's really what it comes down to. That's something that I've learned over time as I've looked at what makes magic cards good. The reason that Scalding Tarn can be worth $100, depending on you know where the market is when you look at it, is because it helps make any deck that is running blue and red or blue or red, or any third color for that matter. It allows any deck that is running the, any combination of those colors to be significantly more consistent. That's what people are paying for when they shell out $100 for one little strip of cardboard. It's consistency. Far and away, top to bottom, it's consistency. And the reason that cards like Dismal Backwater here are not worth a ton is because they do not help bring much consistency to the mix. Now, that said, it's worth more than a basic land. Actually, you know, it's actually valued around the same as a lot of basic lands, which is kind of shocking when you think about it. Um, actually, there are a number of basic lands, like the full art lands from Unstable, for example, that are worth way more than this, but that's because the art is amazing, But that, and they were a limited run. So that's supply and demand at work there. And just because John Avon is just a badass artist, and anything he touches is going to be great. Um, but yeah, I could also go off on a whole tangent about magic artists. Don't worry, we'll get there. But this, cards like this, lands that come into play tapped, that produce multiple mana, do help bring consistency in the mana fixing that they provide for late in the game. But that comes at the cost of being able to curve out early. You know, dropping this on your first turn means that's all you did. It doesn't matter if you have a card that's only worth one. You cannot play it. If you have a card that's worth two, and you have, you know, so you have to time how you play these lands, and it adds a level of complexity and potentially a level of frustration that you'd probably rather not deal with. And that's fair. 
And again, that's why it's worth about five cents. So this has been Dismal Backwater. It's late. I'm starting to lose my voice because I actually hung out with my dad earlier today. And uh, we got talking a whole lot because I love talking about magic. And uh, my dad is very patient and loves, uh, well, well, loves me because he's a good father. But on top of that, he uh, doesn't mind me chatting about magic and lets me go. And it's fun. Anyway. Thank you so much for hanging out. Dismal Backwater, decent card. If you crack it in a pack and you have a commander deck or a casual kind of situation where it can be useful, rock on. Do it up. It can, it, you know, there, there's use for it. There's there's the right place for it. Um, and it, it is a useful role player in the right kind of casual format. If you are hoping to play competitively, this just isn't a card for you. And we're going to see that a lot. Uh, as we go look through random cards, because 90 to 98% of the cards that have been printed are not optimized for competitive play. They just aren't. You know, bulk is bulk for a reason. You know, we have bulk commons because they print a lot of them. And uh, yeah, and so that's what we're going to be talking about a lot here, just by virtue of probability. So anyway, this has been Dismal Backwater. It has been Thursday night. It is late here where I'm recording this. It is some other time where you are. Somewhere in the future. Perhaps far into the future. And I hope you're having a great time. And I hope you're having a good day. And I hope that you have a great day tomorrow. And the day after that. Etc. Etc. I also stream, by the way. I'm live every weekday morning from 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Time because I am a psychopath. And that is actually also my morning workout. If you're wondering what the hell that means, please come hang out and check it out. Uh, you can also see replays of any of, my, any of my streams. It is one hour every single weekday morning. Again, 5.30 to 6.30 at twitch.tv slash hamhocks42. Please come over and hang out. We have a lot of fun over on that channel. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a good one, and I will catch you tomorrow. Later.